I'd like to thank everybody for coming out tonight for inspiring conversations at ArtSpace. This is our uh, inaugural event and uh, looking forward to seeing how it goes. I wanted to introduce everybody, for those of you that may or may not know these folks, this is the music, local musician Adam Ledbetter. This is his wife Kizzy, she's in the audience as well. Uh, we have Dr. Daniela Basiglio, she is a, uh, a professor of applied linguistics and a communications and messaging consultant. She'll be talking about the work she does here in the community. And then we have Christian Pearson, the co-founder and CEO of OK Sessions. He'll be able to talk a little more about this, but I guess what I would say just in very brief is that they are changing the way that local music is seen. I hope I, I, hope I did justice to that. So anyway, we're going to get started. And uh, Adam, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to visit t tonight. I thought what we might do is start out for any listeners and anyone in the audience who maybe is not familiar with you, if you could share just a little bit about the music that you, you know, the music that you do. Okay. Um, do I need the microphone? Oh, it's up to you. It's, it's up to you. Yeah. Will that affect the recording of it at all? Or? I think it. I it's think it should be okay. I think it should be okay either way. Yeah, we should be able to hear you just talking. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, okay. So um, I do a lot of different kind of musical things. Um, my big baby would be Adam and Kizzy, the group that I have with my wife, and we do a music that we call Edo music, and the whole the whole point of that is. Um, well, we say Edo is short for freedom. Hmm. And um, stylistically, truthfully, it's a blend of all of our influences. So a little bit about my background. When I was young, my mom put me in classical piano lessons. I did that for a few years, and that was my thing. And I was going to be a classical pianist. And then I discovered Busta Rhymes in middle school. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a rapper. That's my thing. And that's all I focused on. Then I got into gospel music. So I was like, okay, well, that's my thing now. That's all I want to do. And then I got into jazz. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to be a jazz musician. I'm going to go do the New York thing. And that's how I'm going to live my life. Then when I got with Kizzy, who's truly a musical free spirit, she loves music just because it's music. And she dances and she sings and, uh, you know, just had this really beautiful spirit about it. That's when we started collaborating was the first time that I had seriously, concretely thought that music for me, could be more of a continuum where the music that I do is about where all of these different influences meet in the middle. What, what do they have in common, you know, as American music styles? So we call it Edo music, and um, more than anything, um, that's to communicate to the audience to not have expectations so that when they hear it, they can draw their own conclusions because I feel like um, people's expectations is one of the biggest barriers any musician has when they step on a stage, you know, uh, you say you're a rapper, people are expecting their idea of what rap is. And so if it doesn't fit that mold, then you're inviting uh, disappointment and disapproval. Uh, whereas if a person just experiences it firsthand for whatever it is and draws their own conclusions, the chances of them actually getting inside of it and appreciating it for whatever it is, you know, in the moment, uh, I feel like goes way up. So that's the Edo thing. Um, beyond that, I do still do all of those other styles. So I have a, a solo rap project that I'm working on now, and um, I'm really heavily involved in the jazz scene here. I lead a, a trio, and I'm always just, you know, gigging, living that life. And um, I have a show this Sunday at the Jazz Lab with the Adam Ledbetter Ensemble. So there's oh, a plug wow. for all the folks in the audience. Very Six good. to nine, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about how, you know, sometimes, and I wonder if this has to do in terms of people's expectations, 
it is interesting. I, when I, I've heard you play jazz before, but I haven't had a chance yet, and I definitely want to hear you know you and Kizzy perform, and I want to be able to hear these other types of music that you perform in the future, mm -hmm. and I'm very excited about that. But it was interesting. I almost found myself hesitating to you know refer to you as a jazz musician. Somehow I had some sort of sense that maybe there was more to you know. I don't ever want to limit anybody. Yeah. And uh, I think that you know, it just it kind of in the moment, I just made that decision. I didn't know exactly why, but I have to wonder sometimes. Do you, do you think that when we tend to label what type of musician someone is or what type of artist someone is? That I think that when you apply labels to a thing, then you're cutting off the potential for you to learn something or to um, find yourself in something based on whatever label it is. You know, um, I had a Facebook post a while ago about why we should cancel genres in general, you know, and I was encouraging people to f find music that they hate and mm. listen to 30 minutes of it and find something about it to appreciate, you know, because there's always something there. And through that exercise, you, you stand to really learn something about yourself. And then in the post, there's a lot of joking comments about, well, I hate polka, I hate polka. And I'm like, well, how much do you actually know about polka? Have you ever really investigated it or is that just kind of like a trope that started when you were a kid or maybe your parents talked about hating polka or it was cool to hate polka but there's a whole tradition behind polka polka is music with a rich history you know and a lot of great performers you know a lot of great music so I just think that when you when you label something first and that is how you approach a thing is by the parameters that you've created within yourself then you're kind of just killing the the vibe you you know i'll give you an example so i have a hip-hop brass band that i lead called the search committee and i started the project because i wanted to be a front man because i'm always playing all these keyboards and doing all these things so i wanted the experience of just being on stage and running around with a megaphone and you know so <clears throat> they do all the musical work and i just rap and uh, we did a series of pop-up shows where we literally would just pop up in places mm. and we put together a five-minute concert. And it had, you know, it had segues, it had introductions, it had dance breaks and all of that, but it was crammed into five minutes. So that way, if we uh, offended anyone with the noise, it'd be over before the police could show up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we did, um, we probably done about a dozen of these pop-up shows. And what I observed was going into places and playing music in a way and in a space where people aren't expecting it, the reactions are really pure. Mm -hmm. And so people, they just stop and they watch. And I think that what people are really attracted to in music, what they connect with and what communicates with them is the intensity. It's not the theory, it's not even the tonality a lot of times, but if it's if the right kind of energy is carried, you know, that's what people are ready to receive. And so <clears throat> there were people there that I'd be very confident in saying I couldn't sell them a concert ticket. But they love it. Hmm. You know, and afterwards they come up and they're like, Oh, that was amazing. Oh, I loved it, you know. And they all get out their cell phones and, you know, uh if you compare that to ticketed concerts I'll play a lot of times you have to convince people to get into it. You know, you're on stage almost pleading with people. It's like, all right, everybody get on your feet and all the rap cliches. Put your hands up in the sky. When I say this, you say that. You know, and, and there's all these tricks so that people will be open to it, even though they've paid money, they got dressed up. But, 
you know, they're not really necessarily there for the music. But when you just show up and you just break out in the song, you know, it's almost like being in a musical live where, you know, people always talk about, oh, what if people just broke out in a song in real life like that? And that's kind of what we do. So it's interesting comparing the reactions. Yeah, I love that whole idea about it. Just something that's happening, right? People right. can't necessarily, it's almost like they don't have the the uh, the opportunity to get in their own way to try to decide what they think it is yeah. or what it means. Yeah, and there's no incentive to hate on it. Ah, you know, yeah. there's no, there's no, um, there's nothing happening socially to incentivize people to be against it, unless it's getting in the way of what they're doing. But because it's outside, usually we're not um, impeding on people's actual work. They're on their way to something and they always have that option to just keep going past it but it's it's amazing how many people do stop you know where at, at concerts there's like always this whole uh phenomenon of trying to be cool and it's like well why are you here just so you can be distant or dark about what's going on because to you that's the cool thing of course that's not everybody's issue but you see you see that a lot of times people you know they um they've mapped out what a thing is so they play a role once they get there and that role may be uh to impress a girl or a guy or it may be to um show off an outfit or any number of things could be happening without a connection being made between the music but when you just show up right there like at somebody's front door you know there's there's this instant connection there's nothing in the way so yeah. It's it's kind of like my favorite way to perform now. It's just just show up and and get loud, real quick, and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then get out. Yeah. Do you find sometimes that people are you know are they not necessarily ready for you to be finished, or do you find sometimes that people try to talk you into um, continuing, or is it? We've never gotten a request for encores, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we've never been asked to stop either. So oh, I, wow. I think you, people usually just kind of take it for what it is, and it's like, what is this? You know, it's a flash mob essentially, we've and you just to perform elsewhere. that is true. Yeah, we've we've done some pop ups where people uh, at the pop ups <laughs> say, "Come to where I work. Come do this where I work." And so the first day we planned it, I think we had four stops planned, and we ended up doing six because you know, people were into it, and they were like, hey, come to my job, and I was like, cool, because we're trying to promote a concert, so let's do it. <laughs> I like it, and, I, and, and kind of backing up, I know when you were talking about genres, I, I've often wondered, you know, why that's gotten to the point that it's, you know, there's so much, there's so much noise out there, everything is, you know, there's so much categorizing of everything, and I have yeah. to wonder why that is. Well, in music, you know, categorizing things certainly has its place. I just think that the negative... Uh, effects of it for artists outweigh the positive benefits from it. And so to be able to categorize music is efficient for all sorts of things. If you're making a playlist or if you're trying to sell music in particular, you know, it becomes very convenient to have a name for it and say, hey, if, if you like James Brown, then you like funk. So I'm going to sell you Al Green. I'm going to sell you Parliament. You know what I mean? Uh, so it has its place, but what it what it does is it kind of creates these cults around, you know, genres. Like in the jazz world, it's notorious for it. You have what they call the jazz police, and they're staunch. You know, there's a, a pianist that I love. His name is Barry Harris, and he's a bebop pianist. And bebop is music from literally the 1940s. It was created 
in the 1940s by Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk and Dizzy Gillespie and Max Roach and Oscar Pettiford. And um, there are still people to this day who, if you're not playing the music the way that it was codified, you know, you you can get into fistfights, you can get kicked out of the club. There's a video of uh, Barry Harris actually opened a club, and this was in the 1980s. Some of the people who were there, because it was kind of a workshop situation, some of the musicians would come in, and they'd workshop tunes, and they were playing a John Coltrane tune. So Coltrane was popular in the 60s, and he helped usher in um, the avant-garde and free jazz and really open forms of jazz, which is very different from bebop. And so they were playing one of his tunes, Passion Dance. And he he came in there like uh, <laughs> like a raging bull, shut the whole thing down. He's like, you're not going to, and he's cussing them out. And he's like, you're not going to play that. Not in this club. We play real music here. We play bebop. And so, again, even that I think has its place because the preservation of bebop will live on as long as there are people who are, feel that strongly about it. But at the same time, there has to be somebody saying, well, bebop's not the only way to express yourself. You know, there's, there's, um, there's other ways, and there are other ways that'll speak to different people or, or potentially even speak to more people. So it's an interesting dichotomy of having, you know, two opposing sides and both of them being necessary, but not seeing eye to eye, and they'll never see eye to eye. And, and you almost depend on that for any progress because there has to be progress but it has to be connected to the legacy of everything that came before it so I guess it's a eternal struggle with no answer there will there'll always be genres you know yeah yeah so pros and cons and as far as the whole idea of, fu of fusing of musical traditions I know as a child I got exposed to that really really early mm -hmm. and that really blew my mind because when I was a really young kid I you know listened to straight ahead jazz and I was yeah. exposed to that really early and the whole idea of fusing genres together yeah. is always, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that as far as where you, where you well, think that's headed. Or um, I, So I've been getting into synthesizers a lot lately. Um, and I grew up pretty much a jazz snob. Even before I played jazz, I was a jazz snob because my dad was a jazz musician. So I used to hear stories he would tell. And so for me, these musicians were my personal heroes. And I would listen to the music and I loved it and respected it so much that I wouldn't touch it, which is why it took me until college before I even started playing it. And I think a lot of the other musical genres that I went into um, was as a, a kind of a way to stay away from that, safely stay away from that. It's like, well, I can explore this instead. But anyway, um, what I'm into now is really antithetical to what I was always into growing up. So to me, it's interesting to be like every day I'm on Instagram looking at synthesizers and looking at guitars and drums and like stuff that I'm not even interested in learning just because I think it's cool and like the technology of it. Um, I think that all music really should be a fusion because in reality, um, America in particular is a, is a diverse place and there's a lot of influences coming from all over the place. And if you watch cartoons, you hear a lot of classical music. If you watch movies, you hear a lot of avant-garde music, you know, and you may not think of that. And if somebody were to just play you a record of avant-garde music, you may not dig it. But within the context of what it is, it's, it's gotten in you, you know. So if we're all being honest and we're free to just pick from, from whatever tree, by the time we express ourselves, 
it's necessarily going to have to be a fusion because it, it should bear some resemblance to everything that we've learned, you know, and, and we're like filters. So everything that hits us, it comes out different, but the essence of it is still there. So I think music is no different than um, any form of cultural expression. You know, it's English isn't a pure language. You know, there's it's fused with all sorts of stuff, you know, and, and then on top of that, you have code switching. So it's like the version of English I speak with you may look totally different than the version of English I speak at home with my family or, you know, if I'm talking to people who aren't native English speakers, you know. So, yeah, I think fusion is is necessary. And I think even if it's not embraced, it's going to be there. It's inevitable. So I think for that reason, it should be embraced. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's I, I really that that really that really illuminates it for me to kind of understand, you know, maybe where, you know, where we're headed. It seems like there's so much change, yeah. you know, in the music industry and in the way local music is, is, uh, is being experienced. Yeah. And it sounds like we, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of, a lot of good things to come that we maybe don't even know. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I'm just trying not to become that old dude hating on what the kids are listening to. <laughs> and I have to catch myself sometimes because it's like, seriously, <laughs> but then I have to think about it. And it's like, well, if I'm being honest, you know, I hear traces of this it I hear I hear you know traces of West Africa and, and what's going on and you know just all sorts of stuff so yeah I wonder sometimes too if we, it's almost like what I if I'm understanding you that we oh if we're open enough to maybe see that there are really roots of you know, things that you know that we are familiar with it's yeah. just that it's presented in a little bit of a, a little bit of a different way absolutely in some cases absolutely it's all about perspective everything comes down to perspective because the music that I love was panned at one point you know and um the music that I make may work for the audience now, but at some point people are going to think it's corny. And, you know, so it's just if if you're open to anything, there's something for you to gain from it, even if it's just to learn what you don't want to do. You know, um, there's value in the way other people express what they have to express always. So if you keep an open mind about it, then you can always be getting something from it. That's my philosophy. Oh yeah, and I've, I've always loved those stories. I've read, you know, autobiograph- autobiographies of different musicians, and I always love hearing those stories about, like, someone like Carlos Santana, for instance. You yeah. know, that he would talk about how on nights off when he wasn't performing, he may be going to see some sort of country yeah. performance mm-hmm. or just going to see something that was you just wouldn't, you know. In my mind, I would think, yeah, I can't imagine Carlos Santana doing that, but yet, you know, he was actually being willing to go out and yeah. experience what was going on, even if it was completely different than yeah. you know, what he was used to dealing with. And it had to have gotten in his playing, too. It had to have shaped his sound, you know. So even if you don't associate that with that, you know, there is a connection. And I think that's kind of what the, the whole thread with Edo is all about is, you know, um, funk is hip-hop, hip-hop is jazz, jazz is classical, which is gospel, which is country, which is polka, you know, it's, it's all music, you know, there's, there's only 12 notes, and in a 4-4 measure, there's always going to be four beats, and what you do with it is, is just dependent on what you have to express, so I think everybody should kind of be their own style, rather than having blocks, you know what I mean? I really appreciate it. This is, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of let us get, you know, an idea of how you view music and what this means to you and, you know, where you've come from and where you're headed. And yeah. I really do appreciate it. I didn't know if you might be okay with maybe uh, sharing a, a tune with the audience. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm always it, down. I really, thank you. All right. So we'll transition. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you.